Welcome to the How Scary Is It podcast, a podcast in which we watch some scary movies and then we tell you how scary is it. Yes, we do. Um, been doing this for a while now. I've been doing this for a minute, Bree. It's been over a year. It's been over a year since we've been doing the podcast. Have we been scared? We haven't been what's doing been, this what's podcast been for a year. What, well, not this podcast, but <laughs> we've, in the in the whole scheme of podcasts, we've done a lot of horror. How scary is it? Well, how scary? I how scary has it been? Skinnerinked. That was maybe okay. Well, Skinnerink was pretty scary. Yes, this movie was pretty scary. Pretty scary. Pretty scary stuff. Um. Hi, everybody. We're here. I'm Anthony. And I'm Bree. And uh, welcome to the How Scary Is It podcast. Now, we are finishing up what is basically a two-parter. This yeah, is a two-parter. Last week, we, we teased you. We watched um, Scream 5, right? Well, technically, it's Scream 2022. Yeah, Scream, Scream 5, because we could jump into this is Scream 6. So, yes, that was Scream 5 by default because... Well, yeah. This is the fifth entry of the franchise. So we're watching. So last week we watched that and we we were talking about how, you know, it was scary, but it's not like, ah. I think the Scream movies are such a roller coaster because the first one is fantastic, phenomenal film, right? Then second one is on essentially the same level. And it's like we're going up on the roller coaster and then we go down. Scream mm-hmm. 3, still, I think still good, but not nearly as good as the other two. And then we go slightly up the roller coaster. Scream 4. Scream 4 has got some problems to it, so it's not super high up on the roller coaster. But then we just skyrocket up with Scream 5. Scream 5 still has some flaws in it, but now I feel like, Brie, this movie, we are to the moon. The apex. <laughs> we are to the moon. <laughs> So if you didn't already get the gist, we liked it. We we really liked it. 100,000 times better than Scream 5. And I like Scream 5, but I acknowledge that Scream 5 has its issues. Um, mainly one of our concerns, and we'll get into this a little bit more in the next couple of minutes. Um, mainly one of our concerns of Scream 5 was that the legacy characters might be overshadowing the main cast. So... With the exclusion of many legacy characters here, I think we had a very good opportunity to build up the new cast uh, more and, really and get like to know the them. New cast. Yeah, like I, I'm watching this movie, uh, Scream Six, and I'm like, man, like this new cast, like they can they can I'm take in. it, I'm they can in. take. But then I get attached to this cast, and just like the legacy characters before them. They will all perish. <laughs> I don't know if they'll all perish. Well, most of them will perish. Um, well, we only have four characters. There's the core four. The core four. And I don't think that the core four will die in the n- next movie. The only person I think might not make it out of the next movie is Mindy. Basically because I don't think Mindy had a character arc in this movie. Where everyone else did. Yeah. Maybe they got Mindy had a little bit of a character arc with her girlfriend, but they cut that off pretty quickly in like the second act of the movie. Um, now, after Mindy's girlfriend 
dies in this movie. So, oh, well, damn it. Spoilers. Anthony. Sorry. Okay, well, that's not that big of a spoiler. We're going to get into the spoiler conversation um, in a little while. We're not oh, quite there yet. To, Aside from that, we're not going to spoil It's safe to say anything. a lot of people die. Yeah, people... Well, come on. People it's, die. They scream. People die every day. Um, now, I, I once that happens, I think Mindy just starts becoming almost a non-character. She's not... She, Kaido. Kaido Barkin. Um, she's not really involved in the final sequence at all. She gets taken out um, of the movie during the subway station scene. Um I think and, I and like what they, they did with the character there where she's like, I missed it. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, because they, they transition her character from being like super concerned to being like, I'm going to call it. I'm trying my best to call it. Um, but there's a lot that makes this movie good. And we're going to discuss it more in a little bit. But first, Brie, how you doing? I'm doing OK. We're doing OK. Um, A little bit of a boring day. I did. So Anthony and I have not put out our thank you cards from our wedding. No. And I spent today, I did like 50 of them. My hand hurts so freaking bad. But I got it. I got them done. All that's left is like Anthony's like close friends, some relatives. I did like the ones I like of your family. (laughs) Let's hope no one's listening to this one. They can discern. I didn't do your father, but that's because I was like, do we have to send him one? Probably. Yeah. It's different than your parents. Like, I'm not sending my parents a thing. Well, my dad lives out of state. I know. I was like, I'm not sending (laughs) my mom or your mom. Well, like all my friends, I'm just going to like probably deliver theirs because we live like in the same. I've been using like gel pens and there was a point where like the first couple are smudged because I just like (laughs) am left handed Mm -hmm. and the gel pens, you have to like shake it to dry oh, it oh yeah but i did a bunch of the um thank you cards now i feel like tearing up a couple because they were way too nice some of them but some of them too nice and maybe some people don't deserve that nice of a card we had a couple people who oh no i wrote down <laughs> who on, didn't give us uh, anything yeah i wrote down on <laughs> didn't the list pay for their place i said no card did not pay <laughs> yeah man okay it's etiquette i mean yeah even it's just etiquette but, uh, but one okay, couple I'm giving... gave us like 50 dollars, and that's fine I love, that's fine that's I'm fine. okay with it but you came to our wedding you ate our food and then you did you you didn't get do nothing there's so, a couple of them and they all came from your side yeah they're all from my side and um i am just gonna say i'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt to people i don't think many of the people that had done that had been to weddings before. I think we were the first wedding for a lot of I'm them. I'm just saying they're going to get their payback. But then we had some time. people from my side who were very generous with their gifts and oh, appreciate that. Shout out to my main, my main squeeze, Dom. Yeah, very generous. Shout out to my main squeeze. He's my best friend now. He used to be <laughs> Anthony's best friend. He's my best friend. Likes all my Instagram posts. Oh, <laughs> my biggest hype, man. Honestly, my best friend because i don't have one so i need one i'm taking yours that's fine um yeah you know so it's been kind of just a boring day i think for both of us yeah so we recorded last week's episode yesterday morning Mm -hmm. and then we went to go see scream in the afternoon we almost recorded yesterday we're recording on a monday recording on the 13th for this to come out later um, I would like to talk about something very quick um, to kind of maybe fill time a little bit. Um, the Oscars were yesterday. 
we mentioned on last week's episode that we selected. He won. We, we did a pick 'em. Um, he he we did, won. We did he's an a, Oscar pick He's pick'em. a poo head. He's a poo head. He won. So, what did you think overall, Brie, of the uh, Academy Awards this year? I mean, because they most, can be problematic sometimes. Most of them were spot on. The only one I strongly disagreed with was Best Supporting Actress. That's the only one I strongly disagreed. I with. would agree with that and i love me some jamie lee curtis we know we were big jamie lee fans yes huge jamie lee fans i just don't think her performance in everything everywhere all at once was better than her co-star i know right i was thinking the same thing i'm like stephanie sue was was so good was like a much more prominent part of that movie and i think gave a better performance overall I, i think angela bassett should have won but that's beside the point. I don't understand how you can be in Halloween Ends and win an Oscar in the same year. I just don't understand <laughs> what more Angela Bassett has to do. Yeah, I don't... Man. Like, Did what? She, she's won before, though, right? No? I thought she won... Didn't she play uh, Whitney Houston? I don't think Angela Did Bassett's won. won for Whitney? I'm not sure. I don't think... And it. I don't feel like Googling it. Um, I know people are... So it was very um, emotional for Best Actress because that is only the second time in 95 years that a woman of color has won Mm -hmm. Best Actress. I think a lot of the awards... The last time was um, Halle Berry. Halle Berry for Monster's Ball. Yeah. Um, And that was 20 years ago. I think that was 2002 or 2001. And you got to think about there has definitely been women of color who deserve best actress. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, I think a lot of the awards were well deserved. Um, Oh, yes. Like, and I love that a lot of the awards given out this year were first time awards like Brendan Fraser getting it. Very cool. He said in his speech, he thanked his friends online. Oh, yeah. He thinks like the people online who like who him pushed for him who have been rallying around. Well, uh, like people our age and a little bit older love Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Like we we grew the up. Brendan Fraser Renaissance is here and I'm all for like, it. Like people support him. He had to go. He went through hell mm-hmm. in Hollywood for speaking his truth. Yeah. And he deserves all the good that comes with, you know, coming back into this business and people really like. The fans are behind you. I thought a lot of the award winners thanked the fans a lot. Fra- Frazier did it. Jamie Lee thanked horror fans, which is nice that we got like a cool little shout out from Jamie Lee. She's like, we just won an Oscar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jamie Lee said thank you to the genre fan or the fans of the genre movies that I'd been a part of in my er- the early parts of my career because she was typecast for a long time in strictly horror roles um and and it was through like people just loving jamie lee in these roles that she ended up transitioning out of that horror role and now she's at a point where she's going back to some horror because i think my first experience with jamie lee curtis was freaky friday that's mine too well mine is halloween but But jamie mainstream jamie lee it's freaky friday yeah i love freaky friday can we watch freaky friday probably Maybe. maybe um put it on in the background while we fall asleep right so <laughs> I like that Jamie Lee thanked horror fans. Um, the uh, best supporting actor, 
uh, if I can, oh, I'm going to butcher his name and I feel so bad that I'm going to butcher his name, but I can't remember it properly right now. Ki Kwan, right? I don't know how to properly yeah. say his name. Um, and I don't want, I want to learn how to properly say his name because that's respectful. I Do you want to know something crazy? his name. <laughs> I know something crazy. Yeah. Him. Like all the characters, like all the main cast from Everything Everywhere, him and like Stephanie Sue and oh my God. Like Jamie Lee? No. Uh, Michelle Yeoh. Yes, Michelle Yeoh. They're all starring in a Disney Plus series. Really? Together as a family called American Chinese. That's awesome. That's so cool. What it sounds like from when from what everybody that's been involved with everything which i think is great for him because like he's pushing through they're getting more roles and it's it's a disney plus show but like we we live in a time right now where because of streaming where tv has been elevated like tv's basically long form film because there used to be like this big thing where tv was beneath film Yes. Where now it's like TV's not really because they're getting film. similar budgets to movies, so they're able to go a little bit crazier. Like the Mandalorian. Bigger. Yeah. Like the Mandalorian. So it sounds like everybody that had been involved with everything, everywhere, all the time. All it sounds once. like they. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> did I say it wrong? Yes. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Not all the time. <laughs> Same thing. Um, it sounds like they formed like such a cool friendship and they, and they also like play a really good family like they, yeah they have like a really good rapport with each other and it's just great to see you know like them uh, together again in a tv show that's based on a comic so i believe he, so he um had come out recently and was because you know how in some of his speeches he's like i i i couldn't get roles after indiana jones i couldn't get roles after short round well now he's like well shoot if they want to make a short round movie i'm in (laughs) he said it he's like he's like if they want to make me a leading man in a short round movie i am down for it and it's like hollywood okay he wants to do it this this shit writes itself honestly you have a short listen you have an adult short round who is uh, grown up has grown up with Indiana Jones. You spin it off. Harrison Ford maybe shows up as somewhat in the movie, but then you have someone, a, a, a child who grows up with Indy that's inspired by Indy and basically becomes an archaeologist. It's re- it's how you do Indiana you Jones. It's how you do Indiana Jones without calling the character Indiana. Exactly. Jones. This is how like if we're gonna tra- transition Harrison Ford, if we're gonna requel this thing. We're going to transition Harrison Ford out of the Indiana Jones role. We're putting Short Round back in and making him the new Indy. Wouldn't that be so cool? And now that I was so against it because he had been like, I hate this role. But now that he's like, actually, I love the role. (laughs) I'm like, okay, me too. I think he he honestly. It's whatever the actor wants to do. And to respect the wishes of the actor. If the actor's on board with it, then I'm on board with it. If the actor says, no, I don't want to do it, then respect the actor. Right? And I just think that sometimes, you know, things have, like, he's like, never give up on your dreams was his big, like, speech at the Oscars. And I'm like, man, maybe I shouldn't give up on my dreams because this guy, 
he thanks his wife and is like talks about how wonderful she is and how she supported him through everything and i'm like oh what a good like what a good marriage like he loves his wife so much she's stunning as well mm-hmm. we were both wrong with best actor i know by the way, neither of us called brendan fraser no you had called colin farrell i thought he was very good and i called austin butler I went based do you on know how many, based on history. Do you want to know how many awards Elvis won? Zero, zero, well, okay, zero. yeah, there was that zero. whole post on Twitter from discussing film about how Elvis, Tar, and uh, Banshees of Anishirin didn't win any awards throughout the entire night, and the awards were pretty much swept by everything everywhere all at once like they won best it's very rare that we get a best director well, and them a best film and uh of the same movie and who else and the war movie all, all quiet on the western front they swept yeah like they, well, all they swept like the all technical the technical awards the technical awards were swept by them but like i feel like everything everywhere which is such a superior movie to like I, I mean i haven't even heard of tar and it doesn't sound like a movie i'd want to watch i don't think so i'm interested in tar um it's on my list to watch eventually you know what's on my list hmm puss in boots ah me too man i want to watch it what what did win best in uh, P- pinocchio pinocchio yeah well, i will not be watching pinocchio got guillermo guillermo i as soon as i was like oh wait after we had already picked i was like oh wait guillermo del toro was behind uh pinocchio i was like it's gonna win it's (laughs) and we neither of us chose it and i I initially before i knew that guillermo del toro was attached to pinocchio my my other choice was going to be marcel the shell with shoes and i only picked that and i changed it to pinocchio when i learned that guillermo was on board pretty much solely for the stop motion aspect of it but it's stop motion animation yes yeah totally animation it doesn't have to be cartoons be animation what is this dog doing what? menacingly trampling around I our hear house him. i hear him but i can't see him um i thought the oscars were really really successful after coming back from a tumultuous year dramatic year last year i thought the oscars were really successful i thought we had a lot of very genuine moments i appreciate the first time winners and it's one of those things where it's like it's all about the moments. It's not about who wins and who loses. It's about the moments that you give to these actors and actresses and these people that work on all of these movies in every kind of field that did so much hard work and deserve mm-hmm. this. And that's not to say that the people that didn't get nominated don't deserve this stuff because there's so many movies that I think got snubbed. Like I think Jordan Peele got snubbed for for no i think it's just this was a really 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 contentious year good year for movies Mm -hmm. like in in any other year if banshees of anishirin went up against like any other like film i think it would have swept was if this was last year i think it would have done way better banshees would have won um it's crazy though if this was the green book year banshees would have it, it all it. it's all dependent on what other movies are released your same year unfortunately for everybody else everything everywhere all at once was released and it was it was filmed before the pandemic too and they just waited to release it until theaters were kind of back and you have to think dang like uh, that movie if it was released earlier they have oh sorry i'm yawning it's late um <laughs> 
it's like it's all dependent on when you release your movie and what year you release your movie unfortunately you cannot see what other people are releasing before you go and release yours most of the time and you never know what's going to be like up for nominations but Colin mm-hmm. Farrell did a great job and I thought like he he was really good but Brendan Fraser go him go Brendan Fraser and if, to shame for DC because they had Brendan before the Brendan Fraser renaissance before the whale they had Brendan Fraser in Batgirl as Firefly and they can they can the movie and I remember when they canned it I was like they are going to regret when Brendan Fraser wins that Oscar because now you just lost out on Brendan Fraser. Yeah, Oscar winner. <laughs> like this show, American Chinese, which I think is the name of it, American Chinese. If I I might be wrong, but I think that I'm right. Um, they're nominated like best like best actress, Michelle Yao, best supporting actor, yeah. like um uh Academy not uh nominated Stephanie Sue, like they they're all like that's that that's got to be so cool to these people even though they don't win it's just like now you have that moniker you have that title for your entire career academy award nominee academy award winner like that's got to be such a cool feeling to always carry around that title jonah hill is always going to have that title i just want you to know that (laughs) jonah hill's always going to have that title honestly oscar oscar nominee jonah hill (laughs) <laughs> i just like i it's just it's great but let's get into it because we wanted this one to not be too long we're very tired because we're late. both tired uh there's an ice cream sandwich with my name on it and napoleon ice cream sandwich. oh god don't get me started I <laughs> she just jittered right now. i know i'm like let's eat this this movie okay hang on so why don't we put it this way we're at about the 22 minute mark we are going to get into spoiler territory. So if you have not seen Scream 6, it is a relatively new film to have come out. Uh, go to your local theater, pay the ticket, keep your local theater in business, buy a concession, get a popcorn, get a soda. See if you can get one of those AMC Scream cups that th- they never, never have, have. N- a collectible co- popcorn container that all the workers just buy out before they can give it to the general public. See if your theater has that. Maybe you're lucky to score one and then go sit down for two hours and watch Scream 6. When you're done watching Scream 6, then you can come back to our podcast and you can hear our spoilery discussion on it. So our spoilery discussion is going to start in three, two, one. Okay. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the spoilery discussion. This movie, I'm, I'm jumping right in. Uh, can I give a little bit of background? No. First? Okay. So <laughs> Scream 6, 2023 American slasher film directed by uh, Matt Bittinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillette. They directed the the last one. Written by James Vanderbeek and Gary Busick, who I think also wrote the last one. Um, it is a sequel to The Fifth Scream. Stars Melissa Barrera, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding, Jenna Ortega, Hayden Panettiere, and Courtney Cox, um, while also having some uh, new cast members like Jack Champion, uh, Liana Liberto, Dermot Mulroney. I'm going to pronounce these names wrong. Tony Ravioli. No. Tony <laughs> so Ravi- you said in the theater. I know. I didn't say Tony Ravioli. Tony Rivoli. Uh, Josh Segara and Samra Weavering. Scream 6 follows a new ghost face killer targeting the surviving members of Woodsboro 
uh, in New York City a year later. The movie uh, had a budget of around $35 million. As of this recording, it's only been out for about three days. Um, so far, it has $67 million as a uh, gross. It had the largest opening of any Scream movie um, with $43 million at its opening day. Isn't that cool? Yeah. This movie probably opens like the best way I've ever seen a Scream movie open. Maybe the best way I've seen like a horror movie open. I always wonder like what they're going to do with the new openings because I think that every time we get a Scream opening, it's very reflective of the state of horror whenever whenever it's made, whatever kind of commentary they're trying to give or a reflection of the audience that's watching at the time. <coughs> so I think this opening from Scream is one of the best ones that they've done, if not a very close second to the first one. And I don't want to go into too much detail because even if you're listening, like... I don't want to spoil too much. No, if they listen, listen. This is the spoilery discussion. They have, if they're listening, this is at well, their own. I don't want to like. I don't want to give you a play by play. I'll give know? you a play by play. Okay, go. Then I'll give a play by play. So Samra Weavering is at a bar and she plays this film studies professor. She gets a call from a Tinder date or whatever. Tinder date can't find where they're going, and she starts saying, "I am." Oh, here she goes. Um. She starts saying, I am a film studies professor at uh, Blackmore University. Uh, I teach uh, modern slasher tropes. So she starts talking about all these modern slasher tropes. And she's lured eventually to this alleyway in New York City, where she then gets attacked by the ghost face killer Mm -hmm. and uh, stabbed a bunch of times and killed. The caveat here the twist is that the killer unmasks himself at the very end of this uh sequence and it is uh tony ravioli's character (laughs) (laughs) tony ravioli i was like tony ravioli (laughs) new york name if i ever heard one um it's his character and i remember i was sitting in the theater and we didn't take notes on this movie because we were in the theater watching it and i looked at brie and i was like what is going on? He was right like, now? they're just gonna show us the killer. They're just gonna show face. us this right now. It's a definite like change of pace from what we've seen in the past. But then we get he goes to his apartment, which he shares with his roommate slash killing buddy. It was his name Greg. Greg or something. Gary. Uh, Gary. I don't know. Uh, something with a G. Um, and there's like, oh, sorry, I like I got um too excited, so I went so out they- and did a a kill before and he's talking through like how they're going to go out and kill Tara and Sam and finish um, the movie that Richie started out making the uh, Richie being the killer, killer from, from the last movie. And um, so, so they, they established that uh, God, what are their names? Jason is one of them. And, and Greg, they have this like collection of ghost face memorabilia yes. and, um, I appreciated the Easter egg in the uh, apartment. Did you catch the movie that he was watching? No. Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh, wonderful movie. Yeah, he was watching Jason Takes Manhattan, which is a great little Easter egg to pop in there. And um, 
so he's on the phone with who he thinks is his roommate and they're planning on killing Tara and Sam. They have their own motive of fulfilling the script that Richie was planning on making. And then we find out that's not his roommate he's on the phone with. That's somebody else who is also a Um, killer. And he's suspicious. Like, for a while, he's suspicious. Like, he's like, how long have we known each other? And, like, the killer does know that. And so then we play, like, this game of hot and cold. And then we find the chopped up body of the roommate, the roommate inside the fridge. And then we get a ghost face killer who kills, stabs the crap out of him. Yeah. So it's kind of like you thought you were getting that opening at the beginning. And then there's the line. But then you get the opening late a little bit later. He says, what about Richie's movie? And then the ghost face killer says, like, who gives a fuck about movies? And then they slam to the opening. And I was like. I looked at Brie, I was like, oh, crap. Like, this was for sure, I think, the writers saying, well, first of all, let's, let's break it down for a little bit. Samara Weavering's character is supposed to be this film studies professor that knows so much about the tropes of modern slasher movies, yet she is Falls very easily for- lured into the biggest trope, which is the dark alleyway. And I so think that that was the writers giving like this commentary on us as the viewer that you think you'll survive this, but you really don't have the smarts to survive this. All you jabronis watching the movie right now, you think you know so much about the tropes of horror. You think you know everything that goes into horror and you think you'd be able to survive this, but you dummies would be the first ones to be lured into a dark alleyway and would be the first ones to succumb to some of these tropes. I think that's kind of what the... Uh, writers were saying there but then what I really appreciate out of this opening sequence is at first my thought was okay this is going to be such an interesting scream movie because they're showing us the killer from the get-go and it's going to be that game of we know who the killer is but everyone else doesn't you know so when they end up killing Tony Ravioli's character. <laughs> I don't know his last name. Um, when they end up killing his character, I felt like this was the writer saying, we could have very easily given you this very vanilla plot of we're going to fulfill Richie's script. This is probably what everybody was expecting. And now that's not what and we're giving you. And now we're taking it in an opposite direction and we're taking it in a direction where you don't know what could happen. And I thought that was like such a cool move on part of the directors to say we are subverting expectations here. The natural thought of like where this movie could go is while somebody wants to be a copycat of Richie, fulfill Richie's script, finish it. That's the obvious direction that you can go. But now we have the directors and the writers who are just like middle finger to the audience no. You think we're going to go in this direction, which is the obvious route, but fuck you, we're going in a different direction. And I thought it was brave. <laughs> I thought it was very brave. And then we get, so Sam, Tara, Mindy, and... Chad. Chad. I should remember that because he has a Chad name. 
Um, they all move to New York because Tara, that's where Tara decides to go to college. Mindy and Chad also decide to go there. Sam follows because they're all she's pretty not going to let they're trauma bonded. Yeah. They're all pretty much like, we're not going to leave each other. You know, Tara is not processing the events of the previous year. And Sam is seeing a therapist because she she's mostly concerned about Tara. She's like, Tara's not so, processing what happened to us. And he's like, well, I can't help you. I'm here to help you. But I don't know anything about what's going on with you. OK, I got it. I told you this. We have seen some pre- pretty horrible movie therapists in our day that make questionable decisions. <laughs> But I got to be completely real here. I think this guy is maybe the worst movie therapist yeah, I that I've you. ever seen where he's like, OK, I need you to start opening up to me and being vulnerable or else I can't help you. Not once did he think to Google her <laughs> like he has to have known about like her previous history a little bit. He didn't think to Google her once. He at the moment she says Okay, I'm Billy Loomis's daughter. I was involved in these killings last year. My boyfriend is his ex-boyfriend is a serial killer too. Like we're dealing with some pretty messed up stuff. This stupid therapist decides to close his notebook and be like, "I'm recommending you for criminal referral." What? <laughs> yeah, g- nice job. I, that's really going to help with her trust issues. Like <laughs> immediately saying, "I'm referring you to criminal." Uh, to the police for criminal refer that a stupidest thing that like I was sitting there thinking about it in the movie and I'm like I'm something's off here about this interaction like I get the conversation about how the therapist like isn't equipped to deal with this kind this like level of vulnerability but still it's like you made the absolute worst decision as a therapist it's your job is to help this girl. And you're just like, I'm going to close my notebook and I'm going to refer you to the police. <laughs> what? And so she like goes home to her apartment where she shares it with Tara and then their roommate Quinn Quinn. And she's like, Quinn, where is Tara? And she's like, don't be mad at me. And he's like, what? Just tell me where she is. She went to a par- the party at this frat house. And the frat house, I can't remember what the name of it is, but. IMDB has a cool Easter egg in there where the frat is the same frat that um, Derek, who is Sydney's boyfriend in Scream 2, is in. And the sorority that they then ask later in the movie if Tara is rushing is the same sorority that Sydney is in in Scream 2. But so Sam goes to the party. Tara's making some questionable decisions. She almost gets like. Taken advantage of. Taken advantage of by this creepy guy. And Chad's kind of like, no, Tara, you're going to stay down here. And uh, Sam comes in and she's like, well, I want to tase you in the balls. Well, we're, we're introduced to some of our newer cast yes. members. We're introduced to Quinn, the, uh, Tara and Sam's roommate, who is... At sex first, positive. Ha- at first having sex with somebody and the person yells from the room and the Easter egg uh, is that that's a vocal cameo from our legend, Tim Robinson from, (laughs) I think you should leave. Fantastic. Loved hearing about that. Um, Then we're introduced to Annika, who is Mindy's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. 
we're introduced to Ethan, who is Chad's roommate, and I that and then we are introduced to, introduced to the detective later. And then Sam is having like an on again, off again, not on again, off again. She's having like oh, a yeah. little affair with like the hot guy. I completely across forgot the hall. this guy existed. Yeah, because he wasn't important to the story. He's not important at he all. He was a red herring. Yeah, that's a whole purpose of that character was to be a red herring. Like he saves some of them later on in the movie, but for the most part, he's just like, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I'm Hi, just guys. like a body that's here. And. I got to tell you, I got caught by the red herring. I know you did. I got caught immediately by the red herring. Did I, did I tell you who the killers were in the first like 10 minutes of the movie? I did. So <laughs> I leaned over to Brie about halfway through the first act and I was like, I know who it is. And, and I said, she, it's, it's the it's the dude from across the hall. And I said, I think he's going to be Richie's brother and then not like 15 minutes later you leaned over to me and i said it's the detective and the roommate and they're related to richie yes which ends up being i but i there there's actually three killers and that threw me for a loop because there's only ever been two except that one movie there 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 was one yeah scream three is the only one where there was one killer but now there's Three. Yeah. I put up four. <laughs> Three. So, um, where did we leave off? Uh, they're in the apartment. They no, they're at the party. They're at the party. They leave the party. Tara yells at Sam. She's too overprotective. Meanwhile, we also get this like, um, I don't. It's not a subplot. It's part of the plot where Sam, having gone like crazy, stabbing Richie. And everybody knowing about her lineage now, there's believe like there's a subreddit, cons- a conspiracy subreddit that believes that she committed the murder. Sam was the one who masterminded the Woodsboro murders, and that she was actually guilty, and Richie was innocent. So a lot of people start believing that, and they start like harassing Sam in public about it. So she gets like cherry coke, like thrown at her. Mm-hmm. And and there's a vi- like a video of her Which saying, like, "What's your problem?" Like yelling at people because I mean, if someone was to like throw their beverage on me, I probably would also yell. So I was talking to one of my friends at work about this, and he had seen the movie. He's a big Scream fan, and I was saying like he he isn't like too into social media. So I said the stuff that they pulled about Reddit in this movie was like the most accurate shit about Reddit in the and that they've done because there was act like Reddit is very conspiratorial. Sometimes if you get different subreddits that you go on, there's always like Spartacus starts some kind of like conspiratorial theory that everybody latches onto. And then you get a million posts about the same thing you get it on I'm on Squared Circle, the wrestling subreddit. Mm-hmm. You get it there too. Oh man, Bray Wyatt walked out on Monday Night Raw. It's like, no, he didn't. <laughs> it's like somebody just said that and like everybody latched onto it. And now it's like F Bray Wyatt, F Bray. No. So everybody latches on to these things. There was a moment in Reddit's history where they believe somebody on Reddit believed that they solved a cold case murder. I remember this. And 
every they got everybody on this like cold case subreddit involved in this and they ended up accusing like an innocent guy and like people went to this person's house and like they tried to geotag this person and it was completely innocent dude and it shows you like just how absolutely toxic reddit can be at times or like the hive mind of reddit where it's like one person says something that is somewhat a little maybe believable Everybody latches onto it and creates this wider conspiracy that then influences other people and is just not true. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a good like little reflection of kind of the dangers of that hive mind mentality that Reddit might have. Well, then we get the the murder of the two guys is found and Sam's ID is found in the apartment next to the dead bodies. So the detective is the detective Quinn's is, dad is Quinn's dad, and Quinn's like, "Hey, Sam, my dad wants to talk to you." And where she gets told, "Like you're gonna have to come down to the station for questioning." So she leaves the apartment to go to the station, and she is with Tara. Tara insists on going with her, and this is where we run into a ghost so face. They, well, they get a call from Richie's cell phone. phone. And it's Ghostface basically saying, like, you better watch your backs. I'm coming for both of you. Because and then he, like, Ghostface, immediately... Ghostface is saying, I know you are the one who actually, you know, masterminded Woodsboro. Like, falling into the conspiratorial stuff. And then, out of, like, the blue. And, like, not broad day because it's night out. But just in out open. in public like this. He goes after he them. He goes after them and chases them into a bodega. And I, I think there are three major set pieces in this movie, and they're all fantastic, aside from the ending. Three major set pieces in the middle of the movie. They're all fantastic, and I can't think of which one I liked the most. The bodega scene is really good. The bodega scene is so good, and it's so scary because it's at this point. Well, it's not at this point. There's a point later in the movie, but I, I leaned over to you multiple times. I'm like, this movie is wild right now. Because of how it breaks formula a little bit from the screen movies. We see a different aspect of Ghostface. And it just felt like at any time, any one of them could have died. Mm-hmm. It felt like nobody was safe at all. You couldn't go anywhere that was safe. It felt like at every turn, no matter where they went, they were open to an attack. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it really terrifying is... You're not safe anywhere. Even like later on in the movie, they're in the apartment and it's all four of them just like in the apartment together. They're shacked up together and they still get attacked and they still get attacked. Ghostface is still in the apartment. And it's like I I sat there looking at the movie and I'm like, they are not like this is so horrifying because it's like you think that you are safe when you're in a group and you're in this enclosed space where you don't think anybody can be your in home essentially. And the apartment's not that big. So I felt like where the horror came in here was a, it can be anybody around you B you're not safe anywhere. So it felt natural that any of our main cast members could have died at any time. Mm-hmm. So this bodega scene comes in Ghostface chases, uh, Sam and Tara into this uh, convenience store and they're saying help me help me help me 
And no one can help him. He's well, just they, like, well, they said go to the back, but the back is locked. They need the keys. And Ghostface walks in, immediately just starts stabbing people. And then the um, store, store owner has a gun. He has a shotgun. And Ghostface stabs him, takes the shotgun, shoots the guy, and then starts hunting Sam and Tara in the convenience store with the shotgun. And I was like, it's it's this like sense of claustrophobia, I think, that I had. And this like this break movie. of formula with it's a gun now. Yeah, this dude's got a shotgun. It's a gun. And they, a distance they end up like the police are coming. They make it out safe. They get taken to the station. It's a really intense sequence in which if they make one sound, yeah, then they're going to get caught. And I feel like there's so many different set pieces in this movie where it's just so claustrophobic. They're in tight enclosed spaces where there's not a lot of place to run and there's not a lot of places to get away. You're in the bodega, which is very small. Then you're in the apartment, which is even smaller than the bodega. Then you're in the train, which is like such an enclosed space with a bunch of people in there. I I felt like there there was no relief in this movie. But I think it's also like depicting New York City and how crime can happen in New I York love, City when everyone's there. But and that was like the most terrifying shit that happened in the opening sequence was how easy it was for Jason to stab and kill Samra Weavering's character and then just like walk into a crowd, take off the costume and walk into a crowd and like disappear. How easy it is to do. Like you can get away with that stuff in Woodsboro. Like the setting had to be in New York for this to work. Yeah, I agree. Um, So they, like, you want to continue? Cause I'm, I'm like lost right now. Well, they go to, they I'm get taken the to the police station and this is where we get, Kirby comes back. And Kirby she, is a character from the fourth movie who gets stabbed, but uh, it, it's left ambiguous as to if she died or not. And she is confirmed to be alive in the last movie. And she um, is now an FBI agent and she's going to assist on the case. So now we have like everyone's suspicious of each other. Like Kirby's suspicious of everybody. People are suspicious of Kirby. The only people that aren't suspicious are the four main cast members, yeah. the four Woodsboro survivors, which I thought it would have been a little... It, we've never had a ghost face that had been part of the main cast. It's always an outsider that's coming in. Um, so, like, I was thrown in a couple different directions throughout the movie. My first inkling was the neighbor who is, like... Um, having like a romantic relationship with Sam. Then I started getting into the, after you said the detective, I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then there was one point where the movie had me convinced that it was Gail. (laughs) Like there was some, there were some inconsistencies with Gail that I was like, that makes a lot of sense if it's her. Um, So Gail ends up coming back after like, they discover the bodies of the two guys and the bodega thing happens. Yeah, and they get they are leaving the police station and Gail's asking him a question and Sam goes to throw a punch and Gail dodges but and she's like, I've been through this before and then Tara takes the swing and it lands. I love that little callback to Scream One where it's like when Sydney punches Gail and she and now Gail dodges it because she's like, I've been through this before. I thought that was a really cool callback. Um, 
then they so Gail ends up talking to Sam and Tara and they aren't happy with Gail because like she wrote a book she, and they said she said please. she wouldn't wrote a, write a book and she wrote a freaking book and she like defamed Sam in the book and said that Sam had this like innate quality of a killer because of who her dad was our natural born killer is what they said so Gail tries to cover it up by saying like if I didn't write the book some jabroni who you know, didn't know the full story, would have written the book and it would have been more damning to you. I think they do a very good job each movie of making Gale like despicable at first. Like every time we get like a Gale character progression at the end of a screen movie, it's always comes back to Gale did something despicable in between movies. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's got to like make up for it. Um, then we get like this is where they decide to go and be at the um I'll go to the apartment. I think this is the most terrifying and sequence. And we in the have movie. so what's his name? Ethan? Ethan. Ethan is at a study hall and oh, he has an alibi. I think we, we missed we missed a scene. An important scene. Um Mindy explains the rules. Oh yes, Mindy explains the rules. So there are all the main cast members are sitting um in the quad. And Ethan's like, I don't want to die a virgin. And, yeah. <laughs> so she's starting to say like, okay, we're in this thing again. This Here's is a sequel. This is a sequel to a requel. requel. Now we're in a franchise. There are different rules. There are different rules. Some of our rules, if I can remember them properly, because it, you know, it's been a full 24 hours since we've seen the movie. Um, some of the rules that she mentions, anyone is fair game. Legacy characters, main cast, all bets are off in the sequel to a requel. Um, bigger the budget, the bigger the body count, the bigger the blood. Which makes sense. Um, she does say in there that there are there are qualities of their situation that are emulating Stab 2. Which is basically her saying it's emulating Scream 2. So like when I was talking to my friend at work, we were trying to pick up on every like little reference to scream two that we could pick up on. And we've uh, talked about the, the sorority and the fraternity. And then the whole idea of it taking place on a college campus is from scream two. The final reveal of a parent and avenging their kid's death. And their kid was the serial killer from the last movie. That's Scream 2. There was a leaked fake script for Scream 2 that they tried to fake people out with uh, back when Scream 2 was coming out. They leaked a fake script in which the killers were supposed to be um, uh, Sydney's boyfriend and Sydney's roommate. And that kind of happens in here where we have the roommates as killers, too. So there's a lot that kind of emulates Scream 2 a bit, um, even down to the last sequence taking place in a theater, <laughs> similarly to Scream 2. So Mindy starts laying out the I can't remember any of the other ones. She's saying basically all bets are off, yeah. that everyone is fair game right now. And it feels like that throughout the entire movie. And then we get the apartment sequence. The apartment sequence is... 
They're bonding. They're all the core four are at the table. Ethan's at a study hall. Every there's he has an alibi because like a bunch of people were there and they He's saw at him. Econ. He's at econ. Um, Mindy's in her room. No, um, no, not Mindy. Quinn. Quinn is in her room, and the guy from across the hall sees Ghostface behind her, just like hanging out. Yeah, just like chilling behind her. Like what the hell? And he's like trying to get their attention. He's calling Sam, and like no one's answering. I I think I have like an audible reaction like, to uh. see to seeing like just this guy across the the building way like look at the window into Quinn's room and just see Ghostface like in the room with her, and we know that the four main cast members and Annika are all in the apartment as well. And it's I think I just went. Oh no! Because I was like, "How did like you're just gonna give this to us right now?" That he's just like there with them, That's and then horrifying. we get this like all our cast gets like a video message, and then that everything goes to shit. Where the body of Quinn like flies out of the room, Ghostface comes around, he's stabbing people. Um, Sam- where meanwhile, boyfriend is trying to get Sam's attention through the through the window, but their window is closed and they can't hear him yeah. call for help. Sam goes to grab a knife to defend herself. All the knives are gone, which tells you that it had to be someone who was in the apartment. Well, that and that's what I was thinking the entire time. I was like, I was trying to pinpoint where the characters are at, at the moment that Ghostface is there. And I was like, well, the only people from our new cast that aren't there at the moment is Ethan, but then he has an alibi later on, and the detective. So I it I, has to be the te- it has to be the detective. I didn't pick up on that right away, <laughs> unfortunately. Unless the body that was thrown out was not even Quinn's body. No, that was Quinn's body. There's just like so much on un- like, and then so. Our four main caskets out. Well, we Two have Jenna Ortega, Jenna and Ortega Chad. and Chad get out. We have Mindy, Sam, and Sam and Mindy's girlfriend, Annika. Annika, who gets really freaking stabbed. She up. gets like she almost almost, almost almost disemboweled. Yeah, and the boyfriend from across the hall puts a ladder across the windows for Sam. Makes it over. Where do you now, get that ladder? Where do you think you got that ladder? He probably just has ladders. You just ladder. have ladders yeah. sitting in your apartment? Most people have ladders. And what do you think they did before ladders? <laughs> um, and they're trying to prevent Ghostface from coming in. Mindy goes. She wants Annika to go first, but Annika's like, no, you go first. So Mindy's going across. Annika's on her way to go across, but Ghostface kind of grabs the ladder and tilts it. And she goes, splat. It's this very intense sequence of Ghostface is there and all these characters are trying to walk across this ladder and it's a very shaky ladder. I you knew someone was going to fall. I love love that we're being a little bit more creative with these chase sequences Um, where I felt as though some of the other screen movies were lacking in tension building. This is tension. I think that this is a really good. Like, like we know the ladder's shaky. We nope. Someone's gonna if fall. If we're off. thinking about modern horror and we're thinking about like what makes a scene scary, it's the tension building. Um, that West scene in Scream Five yes. is a good example of that. And then 
pretty much every major set piece in this movie is like it's a chase every one of them is a chase scene and every one of them is how do we build tension build tension build tension and just make it like unbearable mm-hmm. for the audience to continue to watch this so then after this scene the detective shows up and he's distraught because his daughter's is dead and he's like no one messes with my family let's fucking get this guy yeah and this is when i was kind of like anthony i think he's the killer well i said it before quinn died i said yeah you quinn, called in the first act. i said quinn and the dad are like in the you detective called it arc. almost right after i said it was the boyfriend and i, I called like, that like within said, the first 10 minutes i said i don't think it's the boyfriend i think it's the detective and his daughter. I, I knew it was going to relate back to Richie. It's in some way, shape or form because I caught on to why on earth would they have Richie's phone? You know, so I assumed it was going to be somebody is related to Richie and that's what's going to be the twist. So my initial reaction was it's going to be the boyfriend down the hall and he's going to be Richie's brother or something. And I... I had some logic behind that because I thought that this ghost face seemed a bit more physically intimidating than some of the past ghost face that we had. And I was like, this is a pretty, you know, pretty muscular man. He's physically can be physically intimidating. Physically physically Yeah. So I thought I thought that kind of pieced it together a little bit. But now that I'm starting to think about the clues of. Um, everything that that we've been watching. He just was like weird. He was the just detective like, was acting really weird. He seemed to get over his daughter's death fairly quickly, and it was like, "Let's get this guy." And Quinn's death happens off screen. Yeah, and we didn't pick up, but like you might have picked up on that. I feel like dumb that I didn't pick up on that because I feel like I fancy myself a, a horror aficionado. I'm Samura Weavering right now i'm the guy who's like i know so much about horror and i know about the tropes but i'm the first one to like but not I, pick up I on always the clues. tell you anthony this i'm like i'm just like really observant like i'm yeah. I'm, I'm just i'm just very observant i was like i pick up on things because i'm just an i'm a quiet observant person then a bunch of stuff happens uh the therapist dies the therapist dies and they take Sam's file. Yeah, it takes the Sam's. Go- the killer keeps leaving ghost face masks. Behind at every killing. Behind at every killing in the one. And they have, the, it's the same ghost face mask the previous killers were using. So DNA tracing from Richie and Amber to Jill and Charlie to Roman. And then at the very end, they have um, Mrs. Loomis, Mickey, Billy, and Stu, their mm-hmm. masks. Um so yeah, where are we going next? I don't know. I... Uh, okay, so they try to. At first, they get a little suspicious of Kirby too, and they say call the FBI and like let get him to run like a uh, tell, let let him tell us like who Kirby is and like what the deal with her is. Um, so then they start staking out, um, like a park. They want to track Ghostface down to oh no we skipped a scene this is where i okay we skipped a scene and this is where i got suspicious of gail so gail brings them to this like abandoned theater and it's like a shrine to 
the stab movies. They have well, not just not the stab. The movies, actual like the actual killings. Like they have the memorabilia. They have the the jacket of the um they have, Casey uh, Becker's boyfriend that gets gutted in the very beginning of the first scream. They have the Kenny the cameraman's hat in the background, like Stu's bathrobe. They have like all this stuff that's there. It's this like living museum of all of these murders. And uh, Gail introduces it with saying, oh, I was doing some investigative journalism and I stumbled upon this and it's in it, uh, it's in these two guys' name or something, but we think that the killer's been using it. And I was like... It was the two ki- guys from before. Yes. The two guys who died at the beginning. The original planned killers. Mm-hmm. And this is where I got a little suspicious of Gail because I was like... Well, how did she find this? Unless she, you know, has been collecting all of this memorabilia using her wealth and her fame to collect all of this stuff. But it does make and sense. She was leading them. There. It does make sense that the father, the, the a police officer, well, they, they call it and they say able to, to get it. They call it and they say, well, sometimes cops have connections and some cops like money, so you know they would it, evidence is easy to lose stuff like that. And and she apologizes to him, the cop, after she says that. But she calls it right there. Yeah, she calls it. She's call. He. This is his. But am I wrong for being like a little suspicious of Gail in that moment no, and being you like suspicious of Gail? My logic right. checks out. So they. So then they go to the park. They're trying to get a call from Ghostface and then do a tracker. And the guys are like, well, the whole tracking the phone, like keep him on the phone, but he hangs up at the last minute. And Kirby's like. You know I can track a call within 15 seconds. And so then they get the call and the ghost face is like, I'm not close by. I'm somewhere else. And he's at Gail's apartment. And so then we have this big like chase scene chase scene at Gail's apartment where Ghostface is after Gail. Um, and Gail does a pretty good job defending herself, I got to say. She, she does she, end up getting stabbed. Oh no! So there's this, there's this cool sequence of, um, she the ghost face chases Gail into this room and she locks the door and she gets into her safe and gets her handgun and she starts shooting through the door, where, um, then she opens it and Ghostface isn't there anymore, so she gets a call from Ghostface and she's like, um, can I call you back? Yeah. She hangs she, up and then recalls the ghost face. That's and that's such how she finds move. him and shoots ghost face. Such a smart move by this character. And it's like, we've gone through six movies and nobody has ever thought of just calling the number back. Nobody's ever thought about it before. And I think that, so Quinn was ghost face in that yes. sequence. And I think she was caught off guard by that move too she because said, what wait what <laughs> <laughs> the same like when um richie was uh called sydney as ghostface and then she hung up on him and he was like wait what <laughs> gets hung up on but i think that was such a cool thing to do of like calling back the number to figure out where the killer is inside the house well her uh, gail's boyfriend dies gail is very close to death but she has a slight pulse and Sam, Tara, everyone gets to her in time for her to be transported to the hospital. And she's fine. Yeah. I felt so. 
But that kind of takes Gale out of the rest of the movie. Gale's out of the rest of the movie, maybe out of the franchise yeah. at this point. Um, if I was Gale, I would stop. I felt like <laughs> this movie had much higher stakes than the last one. And I felt like it was more intense. Like I said, I felt like anybody could go at any time that nowhere was safe, that it was claustrophobic. And and you really feel that way in this apartment, even though it's a large apartment. Exactly. It's just the way it's filmed. But I thought that... Um, God, where was I going with this? Claustrophobia. No, that's not where I was going. I... Uh, I was going to say, God dang it, I can't remember where my train of thought was going. Brie. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. It's not even anyway, my fault. just boob. continue. Just continue. And then we move into like the next phase of our movie because like now we're like, let's get this guy and we're going to set a trap. Now we've entered act three. Now we're going to set a trap. And the trap is Kirby along with the detective along with our core four. We're going to go lure Ghostface into that theater. That's where we get them all going on the train. We're going to take public transportation because we want to be as visible as possible. And this is where we get our main cast, our core four, plus Ethan, get separated. Mindy and, and Ethan. Uh, the boyfriend. And the boyfriend. The boyfriend, Sam, Chad, Tara get on the train. Ethan and uh, Mindy are left behind to go on a different train. Ethan's already being very Mindy suspicious. already thinks Ethan is Ghostface. She calls him Ghostface. She's like, mm-hmm. get away from me, Ghostface. Or when she texts Chad, she's, she's like, like, I'm on the train with GF. <laughs> yes. And want to know something funny? He is a Ghostface. Yeah, she was right. She was right the whole time. Mindy ends up getting stabbed on her way. So Mindy is so essentially I gotta, taken we, out of We got to talk about the sequence because it's. Who is that Ghostface? That's Quinn. You think? Quinn is that ghost face. Yeah, because the detective was at the police station and then Ethan was on the train with them. So it had to be Quinn. Uh, I think I think Quinn admits to it later in the movie too. But I think where the sequence like... So a lot of people I, th- I was reading online were complaining about this movie that there wasn't enough character death in this movie. That it seemed like... And somebody made this comment on Reddit, but you got and a lot it's of- so it's so apropos, where it's like, I walked out of this movie and I felt like I could get stabbed, and I'd be fine, <laughs> because like everybody gets stabbed in this movie and just like walks away like nothing happened, like this is just a flesh wound. Mindy gets stabbed and is like, Nah, I'm good. Uh, Jenna Ortega's character later in the movie, she gets stabbed twice and she's like, I'm good to fight. You, know? you got to think these are people who've been stabbed before. Yeah. I don't know. Does it give you some resilience? Chad gets the ever-loving crap stabbed out and, of him. And but he's lives. also been stabbed before. He's the Dewey. He's the new Dewey. Dewey gets the shit kicked out of him in every movie and makes it out until he doesn't. But I think Chad is 100% the new Dewey. And uh, we are at a, a, a time now where... Our main cast hasn't suffered a lot of loss. I don't think we have to. That's a conversation we're going to get into in a little bit. But where the horror comes in now is not so many people are dying and our cast is getting picked off. It's like we're not safe. it's It's we're not safe and we don't know who the hell's around us right now. So they set up this thing that after 
the Ghostface murders start happening again, there's a surge in Ghostface Halloween. So costumes. a lot of people are buying these costumes and they're seeing the Ghostface everywhere. It's like a lot of so people are on, on this, this train, train costume. So on this train, Mindy is just like seeing a Ghostface and she's very suspicious of this particular person in the Ghostface mask. And when the train lights start to flicker, the Ghostface like turns towards her. And then every time it flickers, it gets closer and closer until she gets stabbed. And, and I, then Ethan like finds her and is like, oh, my God, someone we need help. Like and Ethan gets her to go like she gets taken to the hospital. And Ethan, that's his like alibi. Well, that's think, where he's supposed to be. I think where the horror comes in in that scene is the paranoia of any one of these people could be the killer. And I'm stuck, on a, train I'm stuck on a train and I don't know who it is. And it can be anybody here. And we just have to be vigilant on everybody. I think it's that sort of like paranoia that gets built throughout the movie where you, you set up this whole feeling of nobody is safe. We're not safe everywhere. We're in enclosed spaces and anybody can be the killer. In the city of millions. So I think it's super effective in that sequence and all of these sequences and playing with those notions and the expectations from the audience and getting the audience to feel as though they're part of the cast. I felt like in this movie, I wasn't freaking safe (laughs) because I had to endure what the characters were enduring. I had to follow them along for this ride. And I'm telling you, man. There are multiple moments in this movie where I leaned over to you and I said, this is wild. This movie breaks formulas. This movie is crazy. Um, this this train sequence was one of those, too, where I, I don't know what it, what out of the three major like chase sequences that we have, or I guess four major chase sequences that we have, uh, the bodega scene, the apartment scene. Gail's chase and the train. Which one was your favorite? I love the bodega. The bodega scene is so good, but I, I think mine goes to, to the apartment. That was that was the moment for me in the movie where I I started to accept the fact that like everyone is in trouble in this movie. I don't think it's a crutch or I don't think it's a, a hindrance on this movie that our four main cast members still make it out alive and Gail makes it out alive too. I think it's a strength of the movie. I was like, you could be terrifying, but also have like your main cast come out. Yeah, I think that's a strength of the movie. And I think, you know, we've been having this conversation on and off with slasher movies about how you don't want to get to a point in your slasher movie where you start rooting for the you monster. You never want to root for the monster. You want to invest in the character so that you're rooting for your protagonist instead of the monster. And I felt like in the last movie... Who can you root for if you kill everybody? Well, in the last movie, I felt like we didn't have a lot of time to meditate on the characters, to get to know the characters a bit, because they started shoehorning legacy characters in. And there wasn't enough time to get to know Chad and Mindy. And there wasn't enough time to really get to know Tara too much. Whereas in this movie, because we have a a noticeable absence of Sidney Prescott... We have a, a lesser role for Gale. We have no Dewey. I think we did get an opportunity to really shine a light and get to know some of these newer characters and invest in them. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the movie did a very good job of getting me to invest in these characters to a point where like in that moment later in the movie when Chad gets the, the crap stabbed out of him, I was like, no, 
I was like really oh, no. upset. I was upset. Or like Mid- Mindy gets stabbed on the train. I was like, oh my God. I can't believe they just killed Mindy right now. But, you know, yeah. everyone makes it out So fine. then our, the, the boyfriend, Sam, Tara, Chad, make it to the, like, theater. And they're like, unfortunately, uh, hot guy from across the hall, no new friends. Oh, man, this guy's such a good character. He was because like, he, yeah. He's the only, like, logical person in this movie that's like, yeah, I guess that makes sense not to trust me. Sure. Okay, good luck. Uh, have fun, <laughs> And guys. I'm going to go get the police. <laughs> and then this is the like the, the climax of our movie is Kirby locks them in, explains the plan. When they get in there, they're just chilling. They're waiting for the ghost face to be lured. What happens, though, is... Kirby like looks off into the Well they they get a they get a call from the detective saying we we just contacted the FBI and Kirby got fired from the FBI. Well, f- She's before, spiraling. Before that, Kirby like looks off to the side and she like walks off suspiciously. Then they get the call. And so now they're suspicious of Kirby and then Did they have you convinced at any moment that it could be Kirby? I didn't think it was Kirby. I d- I I could understand what they were going for, but like me watching the movie, I was like, I, "There's no way." Do you know that it what I thought? Me, my thought was this detective. It's definitely him. He's lying because he's definitely trying to get Kirby, like, to take the heat. Yeah. And then we get the scene where you know Chad and Tara are flirting. They admit that they yeah, like what, what each do you, other. What do you think about that? Because that's not really established. I don't think Chad and Tara have like any scenes together in. The uh, fifth I like movie. It. I like you. You I dig like that it. romance? Yeah, I think so. I think it works. It's a um, it's a Dewey Gale sort of. Situation. Somebody on Twitter before the movie came out was like, "You're gonna watch the movie and you're gonna say Chad is the heart of this movie." And would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, I I would say so too. Like, they really made Chad a very he one. Dim- everyone together. He's a one dimensional character essentially in Scream Five. He doesn't get a lot of time to shine. He doesn't really get a lot to do in the or movie. he becomes the Dewey. But now he becomes the Dewey. And Dewey was the heart of Scream, like, for the first four movies. Like, you needed a new person to take up the mantle of the pe- the guy everyone likes. Bow, 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 bow. And then the as they're, they're, they're kissing, but then the, the ghost face comes out. He gets stabbed the crap out of. But they stab Tara, too, they right? They stab Tara in the back. And then we we get the reveal that there's two. Yes, and, and then there's, we... there's that cool shot, Brie, that money shot of um, both ghost faces wiping the blood off the knives at this in conjunction with one another at the same time. I was like, Mwah, chef's kiss. That's the money shot. And right then we there. get re- revealed that there's actually three yeah. ghost faces. Well, technically, there are six ghost faces in this entire movie. If you're counting the first two that were supposed to be the killers in the beginning, you're counting the three in the family, and then Sam dons the mask at at some point in the climax. Well, then the family like reveals that's them, and like their motivation is, I well, I'm the dad, and uh, what's her name? Quinn. Quinn is like, well. I'm the sister, and then Ethan. Well, Quinn mentions in the very beginning, like one of her first scenes, she mentioned, her "Oh, my brother, brother was died. in a car accident." Yeah, he wasn't in a car. Which that's our first tip off of yes. brother's dead could be Richie. So they, the detectives, they're like, "Well, what, uh, Quinn? Didn't you die? Didn't you die?" And the detective says some mumbo go- jumbo gobbledygook about how he. 
switch her body, switch the body, and used prosthetics to make it look like that was actually Quinn there. And my immediate thought was, how the ever-loving crap did this detective like haul a dead body up to this apartment building? That's which why, is a couple stories. That's why up. I thought the dead body was already in there with the prosthetics on, and Quinn just threw it out, and she was the ghost facing the apartment. Somebody online pointed out that in the last sequence you can see like a little like a little scar on Quinn's neck though like they accidentally might have cut her throat a little bit and I don't know what this could have been because none of that makes sense I I I switched out the body on a third floor apartment building who knows we're we're just gonna Uh, believe it I'm here for the ride and then we get like they're trying to kill Tara and Sam Yes, and we get like, I love that in every Scream movie when the Ghostface Killer reveals themselves, they auto- like immediately get go insane. These characters are like unhinged, <laughs> like and immediately afterwards. So then we get like this chase sequence. Ethan gets, Ethan is going after Tara and uh, Quinn is going after Sam and the dad's just like, I don't know. Going after all of them. Sam and Tara. Oh, they all get stabbed, don't they? Sam and Tara like go up to like the top floor, but because they're moving around and Tara slips. And so Ethan's like trying to swipe at her from the ground. She's like about to fall. She's from about the balcony. to fall. And then Quinn's coming and Tara looks at um, Sam's like, you need to let me go. Pointing like eyes pointed at the knife that she has like in her waistband so sam actually lets her go gives her the knife shoots quinn in the forehead does she do that or does uh uh kirby doesn't kirby no No, kirby kills somebody else sam sam shoots her right through the head Mm -hmm. she's like always go for the and then the dad's like mad about it and then well yeah uh (laughs) tara gets ethan by stabbing him through the head no, she stabs him through the mouth. Yeah, the mouth. Um, but he doesn't die. No, at that he doesn't point die. Yet. But we don't know that. Right. He's losing a lot of blood. It gets him off of the back, right? So then it becomes Sam versus. So the detective. The, I thought the sequence was corny. Them like both running at each other. I thought that was a little cheeky or cheesy. Um, but they both end up falling off the balcony, and the detective gets knocked out. And when he wakes up, Sam is gone. And she is now playing like, do you remember in Scream 1 when Sydney escapes Billy and then starts calling him using the ghost face? Like, mm-hmm. sound, like they do the same thing. She's here. pretending to be, she's doing what he wanted. Yeah. She's like, teasing him as ghost face. Yeah. And she took and like, he's the like, costume and from he's like, Billy's shrine. Yeah. He's like, who do you think they're going to believe? And she's like, I don't know. The one who's alive. he's Um, like because i'm a cop and she's like i think they'll believe the person who's alive indicating that she's he's not gonna survive yeah and she stabs the crap out of stabs the crap out of him she's wearing billy loomis's ghost face mask and she kind of like gets lost in the sauce a little bit well she still is seeing like the apparition of billy like i think her antipsychotic is not working well i think this like i think they heard maybe the criticisms of the fifth movie where it's like, I don't know why we like tried to redeem Billy a little bit because now we're back to 
Billy is encouraging her to commit murder, commit murder on like a large scale level. He's like, there needs to be bloodshed. It's in your blood, blah, blah, blah. Not so much not of approval. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then we get Kirby's is like explaining he knocked like I got knocked out and the police come. Everyone comes. It's kind of like the boyfriend like brought the police there. Yeah. The dad, he ends up dying. Like yeah. they kill him. Yeah. Right. He gets stabbed the shit out of. Yeah. But does he die at that point? Yes. Okay. And I think they shoot him in the head. I love that. Um, Kirby might shoot him in the head. Kirby shoots the son, yeah. Ethan, in the head. And then I love the- that whole shot of. They're playing like Richie's stab fan films in the background. And as all of Richie's family is dead now, Sam and Tara leave uh, the back uh, background of the screen. And all you see is like the projectors say like written and directed by Richie Kirsch. And I thought that was like a really cool a shot right there yeah. because it's like Richie is responsible for all of this for everything bad that's happened to all of these characters including his own family yeah, like he is of- responsible for all this i one thing i wanted to point out that we didn't get a chance to talk about was the explanation that the detective bought all of that memorabilia for Richie. It was something that he liked to do. He said, "I knew my son's obsession with the stab films was unhealthy, but he's my son, damn it." <laughs> That's like such a Billy Loomis's mom explanation of of things where it's like, I understood my son did poor things, but he's my baby boy. And another callback to Scream 2 that I I remember is when Sydney has a con- the confrontation with Mrs. Loomis, she starts saying like, Billy was a mama's boy. He was like a he like he he wasn't a man and he was like a, a real wuss about everything. And she, she starts like uh, emasculating Billy to his mom. And Sam does the same thing to Richie, to Richie's dad. Like Richie, Richie was a, a wussy who had his girlfriend do all the killings for him instead of doing it himself. And I thought that was a cool like little callback to Scream 2. So where do we go from here, Brie? Well, then we get Sam and Tara getting attention for their medical things. We have Mindy's coming in, running in like, oh, you guys, blah, blah, blah. I missed it. She got stabbed and she's like running about. And then we get Chad is okay. Yeah, Chad made it out. I mean, this guy gets the crap stabbed out of him, too. (laughs) Like, it was pretty clear. I was like, man, this guy's not making it out. And then, like, towards the end, like. Uh, Sam has like the mask and it's kind of like she's thinking about it and she drops it. So we're not going to get like a redo of the like of her being the killer. Like it's she's not. Like, yeah. Um. So like that whole like subplot of them, the Internet like playing into Sam was the actual like killer that they kind of forego that and they kind of say, you know, screw, screw all that. That's not true. So, and then the, the movie kind of ends there. 
the movie ends there with a note of like positive. I love how all the screen movies tend to end on a very positive note. Um, it it ends in a way where if they didn't want to make a seventh movie, they didn't have to. They don't have to. But the rumor is that the seventh movie's already been greenlit and is planning to shoot in October. <laughs> <laughs> so chances are we're getting a seventh movie. I need to ask you about this. Okay. What do you think about Nev Campbell's absence here? I didn't no, sir. I didn't either. I didn't think we needed I thought her. they I wrote- think it's time to usher in the new guard of this franchise and leave the legacy characters alone. I know. It's like, why do we have to kill every legacy character? Why can't we just let them be happy? Like, I think Gail should be done. Yeah. she. I don't, I, I well, think, her last line, too, is like, tell Sydney that he didn't get me, which is like a great ending line. Even if they didn't bring Sydney back for Scream 7, her ending line in Scream 5 is very like in character for her when Sam says, like, am I going to be okay? And Sydney says, eventually, like. That's Sydney Prescott, right? Like, eventually you're going to be fine. It's going to take some time, but eventually. And I have to ask you, Anthony, now. How scary was it? That was pretty I, scary. I thought this was a scary movie. I thought this one was one of the It's not as scary as Skinamarink, but it, it was high stakes, intense, and it like... For it, a scream movie. Yeah. High stakes, intense. Um, I love the horror sequences, I think some of the best horror sequences that I've seen in a long time. I felt like... I don't like, remember what I gave Skin and Marink. I felt like um, Sydney Prescott's absence was not missed. I think they wrote her off in a very nice way. They said she's in hiding with her family. Um, she wants to live happily ever after. I think that this movie gets on the scary scale. I want to write it down. Uh, scream 6... Let's say scary. Eight point two. What are you What are you looking at? I was trying to figure out what I gave the skin ring. The skin ring. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably go eight point three. I think it's a little scary. Oh, you think you're did. gonna you're gonna go a decimal I'm higher? I'm gonna go than a decimal me. higher. I thought it was scary. On the good scale. Good scale. Good scale. Like, I'm gonna go like gonna an eight point oh. Oh, I was gonna give it such a higher score than that. Well, we gave My Bloody Valentine today. I think I enjoyed it on a similar level to My Bloody Valentine. I was going to give it like an 8-7. On the good scale? Yeah, I thought it was great. Well, you need to write that down because that's not my score. <laughs> Mine's an 8.0. I'm sticking to it. Um, okay, let me, before we end the podcast, uh-huh. I need to ask you. Yes. Where do you think they go from here? I don't know. If it's going to be Scream 7. I don't know where you go from here. I do not. I feel like... And do you think Nev Campbell comes back? I would hope not. I I, I feel like I have a couple of different routes with the direction. Um, if Nev Campbell comes back, you I don't think you introduce any new characters. If you want to make Scream 7, the movie that rounds out the franchise... You get your new cast and you get your old cast. One of them is the killer. And that's something that they haven't done before where one of our main characters is is the killer. I don't want that to be true. And if it's going to be anybody, who would you say would be most likely to be a killer? Tara. I would agree. If it's anybody, it's going to be Tara yeah. or Mindy. Mindy would be my second choice. 
Um, wouldn't it be crazy if the killer was Sydney in the next movie? They they play on this. Uh, there's a theory that's been going on for freaking years about how Stu Mocker might still be alive. And I hate it because it's not true. Stu Mocker is dead. He's been dead. And I the movie like plays on that theory. They're like, oh, that's the TV that killed Stu Mocker if you believe he's dead. I was like, I hate that you guys just brought that up right now because it's not like the whole Scream fandom isn't going to shut up about it now. Um, so it could be I, if they bring back Stu, it could be something to do with Stu. Or it could be just not anything. I would be interesting to see what comes next. Yeah, I, I'm very. I, I think it's got to be one of our main cast members. Though. Oh, I think it's got to be, and I think the stakes are are they have to be a little bit higher in Scream Seven. I think you got to kill at least one of them, if not two of them, and I think it's going to be sad. But when you're in the third movie out of a requel trilogy, like you really got to like step it up and you, you got to say goodbye to some of these characters, mm-hmm. even though it's sad. So I think that's it. Do you have anything else that you want to add? Not that I can think of. I'm a little tired and ready for my ice cream sandwich. Okay. Well, then let's uh, wrap this thing up. We have. Uh, oh, yeah. We're almost at the uh, hour and a half mark. So good timing on our part. Um. The social media is coming soon. I spent. No, They've been I, coming soon. No, for like four listen. Months. I have been spent. I spent like my whole day doing fifty freaking thank you cards. They're coming soon. If you want to follow this crispy guy on, uh, Twitter, Twitter at gldtv one. Um, you're not even gonna perceive me, or I'll ghost face you. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to start a Reddit page about how... I'm going to defame you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to absolutely defame um, you. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. Google. Pod, we're on iHeartRadio, I think. We're on a bunch of different things. Okay. Um, yeah. So reach out to us at... What's our next movie? What's our next movie? I don't know. Whatever we feel Whatever, like. It's like... Wherever uh, the wind blows. You ever watch Viva La Bam? Yes. When he's like... Bam Margera, what will he do next? Else, whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> That's me right now. I was like, what whatever movie I will want. you do next? Wherever the f I want. <laughs> it's been real, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast again. That's Anthony. And <laughs> I'm Bree. <laughs> that's Anthony, and that's Bree, and this has been. How, how scary, scary is it? Thank you. Yeah.